C-A-M-P-A-D-U-L-T-H-O-O-D Camp Adulthood Bridging the Millennial Divide One conversation at a time Interviewing guests Strangers and friends We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood Hello, and welcome to Camp Adulthood and the Resident Youth. I'm Camp Adulthood, Shay Keats. And I'm Maddie Yergi. And we are And what are together. you, Maddie? Oh, the Resident Youth. Sorry. Oh, thank you. People might get confused. <laughs> um, this is a very exciting podcast. We are having a mini record palooza very mini, yes. right here in uh, New York City in uh, Maddie's very fancy home studio, which I have to say has really come a long way since the um, There's inception. some foam. There's some foam. Some felt. There's a special table. There's a carpet. There's a curtain. It looks somewhat more professional. It looks very nice. I'm very Thank proud you. of you. Um, it's very exciting for you to be I here, know, Shay. We've had many activities, nice. which we will not go into right now. But yes, stay tuned episodes. to hear a Law & Order style millennial moment <laughs> in next week's episode. Very exciting. Um, do you have any millennial moments, Shay, or things to share um, with our group? I love sharing. I have <laughs> two things. The one that I would say is like very millennial is that I, after like flying all day and not, or all night to get here and then not drinking a lot of water and then running around all day yesterday and not drinking a lot of water and then going out on a special activity that we're going to talk about <laughs> in another episode and not drinking enough water, and then sleeping in front of the air conditioner, I woke up with a really lovely millennial case of what, of scratchy throat. So I really sound like I'm doing the, you know, like the millennial glottal fry. The vocal fry, yeah. Yeah, the vocal fry. But um, it's just how my voice is sounding today. So that's very millennial like of it. me. It's not yeah, the worst ever. I think that's my millennial moment for that's the day. Good. And then we turned the living room into a spa with a bunch of essential oils yes, everywhere. I love essential oils. That could, That's my new thing that I'm into, too. Do you so. think they work? Because I remember when we had Terrence on, we talked about, like, yeah. the weird, like, home remedies. Yeah. I don't know. I have, Do you think it's just, like, I it brings have, like, your stress levels down? And then feelings about it. Yeah. Because they're, like, You're so... less susceptible to stuff because you're less stressed? Yeah. Or do you think it actually has, like, medicinal properties? I don't know. I have really mixed feelings about that. I have yet to quite figure it out. So I got into it because former guest of the pod, Kristen, my cousin is really into it. And she got me a set of oils for my birthday. And, you know, I I generally use them for um, not for uh, just making the house smell better. And I do think it's so much better than like lighting a candle or like Mm -hmm. for breezing a bunch because it really does seem to like eliminate the odor. Yeah. Um, although I do get sometimes nervous that I'm going to accidentally diffuse, like, fungus if my diffuser is not perfectly clean. But, you know, it's okay. Yeah, I've read about that. But honestly, I think if you use it a lot, it's like the water circulates Yeah, I think too. so, too. So I try and use it, like, rel- like I use it pretty much every day, yeah. if not more than once a day. So I really like that. I like the smells. I like that it's, like, safer and cleaner, et cetera, than burning a candle. But – and then I've used some, like – roller mixes that you mm-hmm. like put on your skin we use one actually on the dogs that is 
Did it work? It did work, oh, which is pretty cool. Um, and we used it in conjunction with like a few other things, but it definitely, especially with um, it to help. Duke, our pit bull, it really helped him to calm down a little bit. So yeah. we, I think it definitely is a calming effect. Yeah. I but, just don't know the ones that are like to help the common cold and stuff. Yeah, like, that I don't kind know. of stuff. But then it's like I do feel like when I use like the immunity roller, when I have like a tickle in my throat, I feel like it helps. And then I do think some of them do have like relaxing properties. Yeah, I think it's definitely relaxing and I think it encourages you to like breathe deeper so that you're yes. getting more like oxygen yes. circulating, Agreed. which does help. It's all very interesting. Agreed. So millennial, that's kind of like a double. I said I yes. didn't have anything and now I've gone into a double <laughs> so millennial So prepared. Moment. I know. What can I, I know. Say? I really don't. How about you? Um... Yeah, I don't know. In terms of millennial moments, I haven't really had anything, like, exciting happen to me um, outside of our exciting story that we keep alluding to that we're saving Um, because we're the best. But, yeah, no, I'm out. I no longer work full-time in the WeWork. I guess that's something that's, like, an update. I still, like, long story short, I am on, like, a slightly different team within the same department, so I moved back to the head office of my company that I work for. Mm And so a lot of the finance people are still in the WeWork, but I'm not there anymore. So that's been interesting, like acclimating to the new office. It still has a lot of the same stuff as the WeWork. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have the fruit water Uh, and it doesn't have an espresso machine, but uh, it does have cold brew, which they don't have at WeWork. Oh, that's true. Um, But they still have like coffee and like, you know, Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. The snacks are slightly different, Um, but it's just like there's not as much like communal workspace because it's so mm. crowded like that's part of the reason why i was in the we work in the first place is because we were running out of space yeah so it's just like a lot of people and like we're sitting at what was originally designed to just be like a hot seat for people that uh, were like visiting from out of town or like yeah. from a different office or something so it's like not it's like weird because we're like perpendicular to like all the other desks mm-hmm. so people walk by like and they all want to like chit chat and stuff so i feel like my productivity has gone down a lot yeah and also, like, I kind of hate that people do that, like, with open plan offices. It's like... That they come by and chit-chat? Yeah, that they just... Or they just, like, stick people in random desks. That they chit-chat. Oh. You know? Well, that happened... I mean, like, my first internship in college, we had cubicles. Yeah, it's the same thing. And people always chit-chat. It's, it's like, a delicate balance, though, because if you are in an office... Well, you want to encourage a corporate culture. Well, you do, and it's also, like, if you go to work and you're sitting there for, like, eight hours a day and you don't talk to anyone... You might as well have just stayed home. You know what I mean? Like, why did you even need to come to work? I agree. And it's very isolating. But. But I feel like there's also a lot of extraneous chit chat that happens. There is. I think you can get around it with, like, proper planning. Because at my old job, it was, like, everyone's desks, like, faced the same way. And then there was one, like, central walkway. But no one's desk was, like, facing the central walkway. Oh. And then you had to, like, walk into the desks to, like, talk to anyone. Mm-hmm. And so it was still open and, like, collaborative, but it wasn't, like, I'm literally facing other people at their desks. So, like, yeah. you see me, like, we got a bunch of candy, and so people were, like, walking by, and they were like, oh, you guys have candy. Like, mm-hmm. ooh. And it's just because they are, like, walking, and they can literally see, like, from this far away, like, over by desk. Oh. So that's, like, kind of awkward. You should be like, I'm not um, sharing my candy with you unless you go away. I know. It's very upsetting. But other than that, you know... It's just interesting. They don't think they have a plan to move to the bigger office. The plan is that they want everyone on the same floor. Right now we have two floors Mm. at headquarters and then the WeWork. So I'm like, it's going to be massive. And then they have to do like the kitchen build out. Oh, yeah. Because like a whole thing. What you guys do. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see how it turns out. I'm not holding my breath, but Mm. it is. I do like the WeWork. WeWork has like the happy hours. Mm -hmm. 
and they have like breakfast sometimes and like yeah. snacks. So like I don't have that anymore, which is kind of sad. But well, that is very. I can sad. always go back I and visit like them. Your WeWork has a lot more has a lot more snacks than my WeWork did. Yeah, they usually do at least once a week. They have breakfast, mm. and then once a week they have like some kind of like alcohol thing, yes, and then sometimes nice. they'll do like you know one other like type of event mm-hmm. so but like at least it. once or twice a week they have something for everyone which is really interesting yeah so that's good it is good stuff um do you have a toasty campfire topic for us yes Shay? my toasty campfire topic is that today maddie alerted me that our delightful former vice president joe biden oh, yes. now has a new instagram account at joe biden and I'm just really excited about it yeah. because he only has he, one post, so a lot of potential. There's a lot of potential. Come. I really enjoyed his at VP account. I know. Does Pence use the at VP now? Or I don't know because just I immediately away? unfollowed it. Yeah, I don't. I never followed it to begin with. Like I would sometimes look if like Joe Biden posted something mm-hmm. funny, but Mike Pence doesn't really strike me as an Instagram kind of guy. So I've never no, really looked into I, it. I don't think so. I don't think so. But um, like I know Donald Trump for like a day was like tweeting under like the president handle, and then he just went back to like his personal one. Yeah, so it's I'm like sure. interesting how that goes. Yeah. But well, I mean, I think it's again, it's all about. I mean, God, this is so millennial about building your brand. And the yeah. thing is, like Donald Trump is the real Donald Trump. Exactly. Can't so. give that up. Can't give that up. Exactly. Yeah. Well, that's so. very exciting. Um, yeah, I was very happy about that. Um, if we need an additional tag on to that regarding politicians that I love. Sure. Um, how sad are we all about poor John McCain passing away? And can you believe, I didn't read all of the sassy articles about it, but people criticized Meghan McCain for her eulogy that she gave at her dad's funeral. Can't criticize a grief. It was like, she's not upset enough. She got too upset. It wasn't appropriate. It was... Too appropriate. I was like that poor girl. Yeah, you know, I really like Meghan McCain. I think I she's do too. Like she's the future on. of America. But um, yeah, no, I didn't. That was happening, and then like the Aretha Franklin funeral was happening yes. while I was on vacation last week. So like, I was not paying attention as much yeah. to like all of the happening. I generally don't pay attention to funerals, and most of my information about the John McCain funeral was fed to me through my cousin, because she was really, really distraught. Oh, yeah, about, she's from Arizona, right? She's from Arizona. She met John McCain once when she was 14 at, like, an event, mm-hmm. and she always remembers how he shook her hand and was, like, so kind and lovely to her and treated her like a grown-up. Oh, that's nice. And she was, like, crying all week about Aww. it, and I felt bad. That's sad. But it was good, because she also filled me in on all the John McCain-related scuttlebutt which I liked. Oh, I that's very good. Butt. I like that too. Yeah, no, I like, I don't know. I don't want to say I like funerals, but sometimes, you know, if it's like a big like state funeral, like if a president a good dies state or something. funeral, yeah, is very um, interesting. Or like Michael Jackson's funeral was like wild. Oh, I'm sure. Which like Aretha Franklin's kind of was like that too. She it was like changed seven outfits. hours long. Wait, like the corpse day. changed yeah. outfits? Wait, I'm sorry. Repeat this again. So she was like on display. She was on display somewhere in Detroit. Mm-hmm for like a few days and every day she had like a different outfit that yeah. was like prescribed yeah like she I, I assume she had like picked it out before she died like and then she wanted to be buried no. in a very particular outfit that i can't remember and also her casket is like gold leaf it's very fancy i, I mean we've talked about death culture in the united states before and there are many things in that i love it though i think it's fitting it's like be the person in death that you were in life, you know? Yes, I agree with you. I agree like, with you. Like, go balls to the walls. It is man. wasteful and bad for the environment, yeah. but 
That is it quite is a cool. lot. I mean, R-E-S-P-C-T. I know. Aretha. It's very funny. R-I-P. Um, well, that is excellent. Thank you. Um, my hot topic was an article. It's kind of old now, but I I have, like, a running list of, like, stuff that I mm-hmm. find funny that's, like, related to millennial things. And it's it was an article in The Atlantic called Why Millennials Are Getting Married in Barns. Oh, which I thought was very relevant to your interest. Yeah, why are millennials getting married yeah, in Barnes? I was like, oh, this is a very long, in-depth article. It's very interesting. Um, but there were a lot of things that I hadn't really considered that make sense. Yeah. One is that I thought was very poignant is most millennials are getting married a little bit older. Yes. And so, you know, maybe when my parents were getting married in, like, the 90s, like, mm-hmm. my parents had a very nice wedding, but I feel like it was very almost like prescribed like they got married at the catholic church and then yeah. they went to um like a banquet hall, hall in yeah. a hotel yeah and they had their reception there and it was all fine and lovely but i don't know so i never talked to them about it but like if they had thought to do something like different from that mm-hmm. like i think they had a wedding that was very typical of people their age and yeah. kind of where they lived in that whole demographic but now they were saying in the article because millennials are getting married a little bit older there's a lot more variety because people know themselves better so if you're having a wedding when you're younger you're just kind of like oh well i'll just do what everyone else is doing you're a little bit more impressionable Mm -hmm. the weddings now are very personalized they were talking about the other reason why millennials like these barns or you know kind of more rustic settings is because they're very plain but you can really dress them up Mm -hmm. it's a blank slate it's a blank slate and they have all these companies that do like furniture rentals for Mm -hmm. like rustic-y looking furniture locations i like it and so you can really customize the space and you don't have to like if you get married at a country club or something it's like you have to have a minimum amount of people Mm -hmm. there to fill the space whereas this you can have like a big barn but you can be like there's going to be a small area for like cocktails and then yeah. a small area you can have a really small wedding in a big space yeah, and it's, it's not to as expensive segregate the space yeah and then also they were saying like the culture around like beer gardens and like the drinking culture mm-hmm. amongst millennials like it's a lot more casual so the thought of like which i thought about this because i was like i think it's true like i haven't been to a black tie wedding really well did it and also, so it's a little bit like millennials are a little bit more casual they mm-hmm. want to be comfortable at their wedding that kind of thing yeah did it also talk about how i feel like if you do a wedding at like a hotel or a banquet hall you're really limited usually in terms of the catering like yeah you can only they either use their catering too. and the thing is at the end of the day unless you're getting married at like i don't know the freaking four seasons mm-hmm. or the plaza like the food is not going to be that good it, from a wedding or from a banquet hall but when you're in these kind of literal blank spaces you could have catered in whatever you want yeah exactly they were talking about kind of more which i've been to weddings like this where they instead of doing a sit-down dinner they do like a buffet Mm -hmm. or like heavy appetizers heavy appetizers or something and then focus and then put all the money towards like the party and the Mm -hmm. alcohol and have like that be a big thing party times yeah party times um so i just thought that was all very interesting, but there's all, it's becoming more expensive, obviously, because more people want to do it. Like, yeah. some of these, like, there are places popping up that, like, look really old, but they're new. Oh, So it's, yeah. like, the distress sort of thing to yeah. keep up with the demand, especially in the South, like, places oh, like I'm South sure. Carolina. Yeah. Like, kind of going along with the barn, like, the old and antebellum houses, mm-hmm. like, a lot of those aren't operational. Like, I remember we were talking to your friend Jen she went to that wedding in Connecticut with the mm-hmm. place that didn't have AC yeah. last summer and it was like awful yeah because it was so hot so you can have like 
there's a lot of these places that are popping up now where it's like it looks like an old mansion but it has ac it has good plumbing it has like a kitchen on site like all this stuff that you would want cheaper to do that than to repair that in the existing right but these it's not i don't want to say it's like deceptive but a lot of people don't know the difference nor do they really care because you just want like the, the facade yeah but it's a lot of um people that used to do like television or like set production are Mm -hmm. now getting into like these wedding events because it is all about the facade Mm -hmm. and then a lot of millennials are like i only care about like the specific piece like i want the food to be incredible but like i don't really care about everything the ambiance or like i want the drinks to be amazing so i'm gonna hire this like craft bartender Mm -hmm. but then we can like skimp on the food a little bit so it's like and of course like all millennials are on a budget and can't Mm -hmm. afford you know a hundred grand wedding yeah so to kind of have these venues where you can really pick and choose and you're not mm-hmm. paying, like you were saying, a lot of money for something that's a little bit mediocre. Yeah. Um, but along with that, you have to really plan it all yourself or yeah. hire a planner. So that's what they were saying. Like, it's a little overwhelming to kind of do it all yourself. It's really like DIY. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are like party planners that specialize in these kind of like outdoorsy barn sort yeah. of skeleton weddings so well i think it's really interesting because it's something that like david and i have talked about as we're like um looking to eventually maybe purchase some property and it's like what can we what kind of passive income can we make oh yeah you come from this property yeah so it's like if there's an if there's a barn you do the minor repair you get the proper insurance and then even if you're not making a huge profit off of it like you have like we've like talked about like an event space or like boarding horses or having like a small oh, christmas tree form horses. well you'd have the to like hire options. someone to like it's so expensive do it yeah we I know. can talk about it offline but my friend my mom's friend had she boarded horses for many years in chicago mm-hmm. and the economics of it are just really bad really? It's really we just expensive. thought it would be like if you hired somebody to do it and then people had to pay so much but a lot of times people walk away from them like they foreclose on their horses and then you have like with a horse you're stuck with a horse like in economic downturns yeah you have people that are like i'm not gonna pay you i'm just gonna leave you the horse and then you have all these horses to take care of and no one's paying oh my god so david that's what happened to her she ended up bankrupting herself no horses yeah we're not gonna do horses we're gonna do an event unless you do like wild not wild horses but just horses that aren't ridden because you also have to have a track to like run them yeah like that kind of thing or if you have like work horses it can be different but if they're like riding horses Mm -hmm. and you're just boarding them for people it's really expensive oh and people abandon them all right we will cross that off the list yeah but anyway i think it's just really interesting christmas trees or something like that yeah because even if you're only making like you know let's say for just conversation's sake if your mortgage on the entire property is something and your home and mm-hmm. the barn and everything is like three grand a month which would be pretty yeah. high um you could have two events a month like rent yeah. that out for two events a month and you would more than at least cover your base costs of the property so yeah. i think i'm like i was like yes that and even like you could idea. do stuff like for my brother's graduation like, you guys are kind of near yeah. colleges. Like, we had so much trouble finding venues that mm-hmm. could accommodate just, like, restaurants. Like, mm-hmm. we were staying really far from Bloomington, and we ended up going to this place that was really cool. It was, like, a restaurant mm-hmm. that was, like, a converted house. Oh, and it cool. was, like, kind of far from Bloomington, but, like, we went there, and it was, like, pretty poppin'. Yeah. 
and like they turned it into a, a restaurant space which like you might not want to do but even just like smaller parties mm-hmm. like a party of like 10 to 15 for dinner yeah and then if you have like restaurants that you like contract with and be like hey if I you can it. bring like one or two people over to cook and mm-hmm. you have like a cooking space like i think people would pay for that especially in these smaller cities where they're yeah not a ton of it Places. Yeah, or you don't want to go all the way down to Portland, and yeah, I think there's a lot you could do with that. Well, we'll keep that in mind as yeah. we look for our property. Just no horses. So. You could have a dog farm. Well, you know this is my whole. You could goal have life, a retirement so. home for elderly dogs. Oh, or can we have an orphanage for sad puppies, and then we can like disabled dogs? There's people that do that. I just like puppies, and I don't like sad stories. And a lot of times, <laughs> old dogs, it's because like their owner I mean, if you died. Have puppies, you'd have to like breed them. You could be a dog. No, breeder. there's plenty of like rescues that it's like. But the thing is, it's like really expensive. But I feel like this is going to make rescue yeah, puppies. Gonna... This would not be a rescue, or this would not be a um, profit-making endeavor. Yeah. So. Well, that's um, very interesting. Yeah, many things I to like think that. about, though. Sorry, I'm just yeah. checking my phone in case. Uh, what's his face? Our next guest text. Yes. Um, so. Well, that's very exciting. Shall yeah. we go into our modern love questions? We should. Shall, shall I pull, pull them up, or do you have them handy? You can pull them up. I don't have them handy. Sorry, I tried I to. That's okay. Uh, it's all good. So to intro it while you're looking mm-hmm. for our returning guests who might not have remembered or new people. Hello. Um, we are doing the New York Times modern love questions and we are asking them of each other so that our audience can get to know us better and we have more topics that we can tie into the millennial discussion. Okay, so we are just, we finished uh, the first set of questions, so the first follow-up, so we're getting into the second set, so it's really going to be digging in here. Deeper, deeper questions. All right, question number 13. If a crystal ball could tell you the truth about yourself, your life, the future, or anything else, what would you want to know? Mm, that's very interesting. So, I, I think there are a lot of things I could ask this crystal ball, but just to kick it off, I think I would want to know the day I was going to die. Why would you want to know that? Because here's the thing, and I think about this a lot, is like... What if it was like tomorrow? I would or what if know it was that. like in a hundred years? Well, it was really interesting because I recently like read this book called The Immortalists. And this was mm-hmm. like the whole premise of the book is that these four children went um, to a fortune teller when they were little. And the fortune teller told them when they were going to die, each and every one of them. And it came true for like the first kid. And then the second girl like killed herself. But then the third kid also died on the day. And then it was like the story of like the fourth sister or whatever. Um, so it was like the question was, did they really die on that day because the, that was truly their future? Mm-hmm. Or was it just like a self-fulfilling prophecy? Right. Um, but the reason I would like to know, or at least like to know at what age I'm going to die. I wouldn't have to know like the exact day. But because I think like in pre- there's a lot to do to prepare for death and just so you're not a burden on your loved ones and i feel like that now anyways yeah i know but it's really easy to be like like you know even before i left on this trip i just was like thinking my head i'm always like oh god if i get like blown up by a terrorist in new york (laughs) i keep saying i'm gonna get a will together um and in this said will it's just gonna be like you know use this money to pay off this debt yeah my dog goes here yeah um and I don't want anybody looking through my yeah. private papers. Like, that's basically mm-hmm. going to be my will. Um, by the way, Chris and Christian. Papers? Yeah, I'm a writer. I have tons of private papers. But don't you want For my memoirs. No. Only if I'm very old when I die. 
Yeah. This is very exciting. It's very exciting. Uh, so, uh, but I was going to say, Kristen Christian, you guys get Benson. Don't let anybody fight uh-huh. you for him. Yes. For her. And David, if you have a conversation about this, we can talk about it later. Um, <laughs> See, this this is good. No, I yeah. feel like so you So that should... would be my, my answer. Yeah. Well, I feel like if, if that's the reason, like, I don't think you would need to know the day you're going to die. But I think it would like, only be, like, if you want to, like, plan your life. I don't know, because I have two minds about it. I'm like, that book is really interesting, what you were talking about, mm-hmm. because it's like, is it, like, a self-fulfilling thing that if you would know, you would just fulfill what you knew? Mm-hmm. And then it's like, okay, well, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot now. Yeah. Or, like, I feel like it's part of the human experience to not know. Well, I know and that's And you're not true. taking the chance out like even if you're like oh you're gonna die of old age at 100 there's still like so much chaos in the world that like you could get hit by a bus tomorrow yeah and you could be like a quadriplegic for 45 years which would be really shitty too that's true you know or you could be in a coma and not technically dead yeah but i just i get what you're saying i feel like you wouldn't want that for myself make me plan financially differently (laughs) i guess that's what i'm saying yeah well i guess if you're like you're gonna die in the next year you could go like balls the walls and just like yeah, I'd be do like, all sorts of shit. stuff. Yeah, and declare bankruptcy and then die. But I think part of that is like, it's cheesy, but you should live every day like your last. No, I agree, and you I know. think that like I do try and like live that way. But then I think you we just get lazy on some, especially as a young person. Like, I'm like, oh, I don't. I should get life insurance, and I keep meaning to, but then I just don't. Oh, I need to like make arrangements for the dog in case something should happen to me, and then mm-hmm. I don't. And then I'm like, oh, I should do these things, and I just don't. So I feel like if I had like even if it was just a general idea. Yeah. It would be helpful. So, That's but who knew? All right. What do you say? Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like all that stuff, like now that we're talking about it, I'm like, because whenever you do like tarot cards and stuff, like mm-hmm. if you've ever done that. I love tarot cards. It's one of those things where it's like. I want to learn how to read tarot cards, actually. Yeah. It's one of my like secret it's cool. desires. Yeah. They're cool, but it's like, it's one of those things not to get like too philosophical with it, but Mm -hmm. it's like with tarot cards specifically, it's like there's so many permutations Mm -hmm. that it's like you could find something to like apply it to. Well, I also think the thing with tarot cards is there, it's about the interpretation of the tarot Mm -hmm. cards, right? right? Whereas this question is more like concrete. Yeah. So I think tarot cards are meant to be a guide. Why are this supposed to be like, what is something that you want to know the absolute truth to? But to your point, it's like they could tell you you're going to die at age 100, but your life could be exponentially shitty up until that point but i wouldn't but they're care. not going to tell yeah, you yeah exactly so i mean i don't like, want my life to be shitty if but you're like, right but if you're putting kind of this one piece of information on a pedestal by being like okay this is above all what i would want to know mm-hmm. it kind of clouds your judgment on all other aspects i it's think it's true i i know i agree with you but i think what i was thinking like to know yeah like what i was thinking before was like if you knew when you die if you like lived a fulfilled life mm-hmm. i think that to me would be more meaningful but then again it's like I, I think if I knew that I was going to be a fulfilled yeah. life I would be like all right well then I'll just like it's going to happen so I'm yeah. just like going to let it happen and then yeah. maybe not try as hard or maybe be a little arrogant about it or maybe I'll be fulfilled but like everyone around me is miserable because yeah. I'm a shitty person well and know? I also feel like fulfillment can mean different things because you may not even you may have a fulfilling life, but not realize it until a certain point, you know? Right. It can be very So, complex. I don't know. I feel like it's part of, it's part of, like, the mystery of life. Like, maybe I would ask a question about someone else, like, not about myself. Mm. I would be, like, you know, like, about a family member or something. Yeah, that's the other thing I was thinking Because I don't too. know if I would want to know about myself, because I feel like I would 
just nitpick it or make it mean more than it actually did. Mm. Um, or, like, base my whole life around it. Like, if they're mm. like, oh, you're going to die on a volcano, I would be like, okay, well, I'm going to avoid volcanoes. And then mm-hmm. it's like, that shapes the course of your life, you know? Yeah. So, that's a very interesting question, though. Okay. Ready for the next one? Mm-hmm. Um, if there, is there something you've dreamed of doing for a long time? Why haven't you done it? I've dreamed of doing... Hmm. I don't know. I assume they're talking about something that you've dreamt of doing, but you've never done. Yes, exactly. Because, like, when I was younger, I thought about moving to New York, and I did that. Yeah, I think that, like, this question, I feel like it doesn't really apply to me, because pretty much everything I've ever wanted to do... is just, just living her dreams every day. Well, and that's... Like, that makes it sound, like, really arrogant, and, you know, like, I'm living some kind of charmed life, and I'm not, and I think... I mean, my life is really good, but I think this is, like, the interesting bit of yeah. this question. Well, you is, just like, started your business and stuff. Yeah, I think whenever I've wanted to do something, I'm not saying that I do it, like, immediately that minute. I'm certainly mm-hmm. not impulsive about it, but, like, yeah. I make it happen, and I also know it's going to happen. Because yeah, it's the same like, thing, like... for something. Yeah, like, I wanted to live in New York, so I came to New York. I wanted to start my own business eventually, yeah. and I did it. You like, know, and I just did there's some stuff that it. I'm, like, maybe later in life I would like to do, mm-hmm. like, write a book or something like that, but it's, like, I'm not going to do it now. Yeah, you know exactly. I mean? Like, it doesn't like, feel like a regret. No. Yeah, I don't know if there's anything that I've, like, regretted. And I also feel like I'm young enough that if I really wanted to, like, change the course of my life, I could. Yes, you can always change the course of your life. Yeah, like I don't, I don't know, but I've never had like I. There's nothing like grandiose that I'm like. I would really like to do maybe like run for political office one day, but again, I'm not going to do it right now. Yeah, I also would like to run for political office. Ooh, Maddie, together the Camp Dalton ticket. I do. I love it. This is great. I love it. Okay, big plans, big things are happening over here, people. Although I feel like you would be the Joe Biden and I would be the Barack. I'm fine with that. Do you want to be the Joe Biden? No. Yeah. I think you would be an excellent Barack. You're very, you're much more serious and thoughtful than I am. And I'm just. Oh, well, I don't know about that. Bebop along (laughs) and make good decisions. Yeah. That's good. That's me. I like that. What's the next one? All right. Number 15. What is the greatest accomplishment of your life? Oh, God. The greatest accomplishment? I don't know, because I... Like, there's some on, like, a smaller level. Like, for a while, I was, like, very proud of the stuff I did in speech and debate in high school, because I was very good at it. Mm -hmm. And I did a lot with that. Like, I don't know, because it's like, I've graduated from college, but honestly, like, I didn't think it was that... Like, I definitely worked really hard, and I know... It's, like, a great opportunity to, to, to go, and a lot of people don't, but it, it wasn't, like, like, I know a lot of people, like, struggle through college, and it is, like, a big accomplishment mm-hmm. to, like, graduate, Yeah. but I never really, fe- I just felt like it was kind of, like, the next progression after high school, Yeah. and I was just kind of, like, okay, this is, like, where I'm at, and then it was just, like, like there was never a chance I was not going to graduate on time or anything like that, mm-hmm. so, like, to me, like, I'm proud of that, but was it, like, a huge accomplishment Maybe not, but then again, like, I've not really done anything else with my life that's, like, that momentous. 
Yeah, you know but what I mean, I mean, I think this is also a really great example of how like women, even women who are confident, kind of really downplay their successes and their accomplishments. I mean, maybe. I mean, what do you think Maya Green's accomplishment I is? I mean, I think that you're such. I guess maybe the Kappa stuff, like well, being I mean, president of the chapter, I is just... a really good accomplishment. I, I think in general, you're like a very well-rounded and accomplished person, like because all of the stuff that you've done, even you know, graduating from college and doing all that stuff with Kappa and landing a job at Goldman. Oh, can I say that you worked at Goldman? Sure. That you worked at Goldman Sachs. Uh, You know, this is all stuff that a lot of people, like, dream about, starting this podcast. I I mean, like... that's the thing about dreams. Working at a cool startup. It's never right. And I guess that's what I'm trying to say is, like, people think it's all, like, nice and shiny on the outside, but it's, like... Like, working at my job now and working at Goldman, like, yes, the management is a lot better in my like current team mm-hmm. and stuff like that and I'm a lot happier but it's like the work is mostly the same mm-hmm. and you are still dealing with like bullshit office politics and like having a manager and it's it's still like a corporate job yeah. you know like there are well, different benefits but it's like I don't know I just don't I just don't think any of it I think there's also this like misconception that like if it's a great accomplishment it has to a be somewhat like it has to be like monumental. I also monumental, think... but it also has to be kind of easy. But it has to be like it has to be special and unique. But I don't think that that's no. True. I think it's like it's an accomplishment if it meant something to you. Like getting my old job, it was like it was great, and I was very proud of myself, and it was awesome. Mm-hmm. But like it was never like I was not. You're talking like you said before. You were like mm-hmm. people like dream about like working there, and it's like I was never that kid. So maybe yeah. getting the job was not. It didn't feel like as much of an accomplishment mm-hmm. to me. And because I started working there when I was so young, like mm-hmm. in college, it was like the first place I applied to, like my sophomore yeah. year internship. So it's not like I had this long struggle to get there. Mm-hmm. You know, I still worked very hard and I think I deserved it. But like, it wasn't like, like when I die, are they going to be like, she worked at Goldman Sachs? No. Like I worked there for a no, year and a half. But I think the greatest accomplishments are not necessarily, and this is me getting like real woo woo and I apologize, but like, you know, I don't think our greatest accomplishments are necessarily the ones that they're going to mention in our eulogies. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could be like, I was a great daughter. Like stuff like that is like a yeah. good accomplishment. Like I think I'm a nice, You're genuine a very person. Good friend. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of different things. What about you? Yeah. What well, do you think your greatest accomplishment is? I mean, I think. I mean, this is where, again, I'm getting, like, really philosophical about it. And I was, like, debating how to, like, even answer this question because I think for me, and this is just something I've been dealing with lately a lot, like, on a personal level, like, with my business and stuff. And I'm always, like, <laughs> like I get down on myself because I feel like I have not accomplished as much as I can. But then I'm also a very impatient person. I mean, person. there's also, like, infinite possibilities. It's like, yeah, you well, can yeah, do course. different But I think at more, the end but... of the day, it's like you know, I, over my 20s and my early 30s, and it hasn't been constant, but I've dealt with a lot of like, you know, not great things in my like family and my personal life and that I'm things that I'm not interested in talking about on this podcast. But the fact that I was able to like, manage all of that, mm-hmm. go to grad school twice, yeah. which Laura and was, um, not Laura, not cut that part out. But uh, some people were making fun of me for saying I talk about going to grad school twice. But you know what? It was kind of awesome that I did. Um, you know, going to grad yeah. school, having a great job here in New York, um, 
you know, let's see what else. Starting my own business, you know, moving across the country, traveling, doing all the stuff that I did all of that while I was also managing all of this other stuff. And I did it all with a smile on my face and I managed to have a good time Mm -hmm. and not just have to throw those years away. Like, I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. That was my inarticulate way of talking about that. Okay. So that was the first three. Should we keep going? Sure. Okay. We can do a couple more. All right. Okay. This is good. Uh, 16. What do you value most in a friendship? Oh. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. I don't know. I mean, I think, like, all the normal stuff that you need, just, like, in the definition of, like, a friend. Mm Mm-hmm. Like, someone who's nice you get along with. Like, you want to spend time with them. You, like, value their input. So, like, I think all of that stuff is very important. But I think, like, in terms of longevity of friendships, Mm -hmm. like, the longest friendships I've had, it's, like, there's, like, a consistency there. Mm -hmm. And there's a lack of just, like, bullshit. Like, one thing I really don't have any, like, patience for Mm -hmm. is when people are, like, oh, well. When there's, like, not, like, a maturity level or when people like have expectations of you that they haven't expressed in any way yes that's the worst and i'm like okay well if you had like said this or told me why it was important mm-hmm. to you i would have done it or people that like you know are like well you haven't called me in six months and i'm like two-way street yeah i don't really have friends like that because i think i put out a vibe that's like i don't really tolerate it because it's like the best friends i have like i might not talk to them every day but like we pick up right where we left off and like i know that they're there for me but i think when people kind of bring in those other elements of like, mm-hmm. well, you owe me something or I have this expectation and you have to meet it. It's like, well, then the, the friendship has automatically become more superficial. Yeah. And it's never going to get to that deeper level. Yeah. I mean, I definitely have to say, I think what I value most in a friendship is kind of that longevity. And I think kind of that quality that doesn't really have a name. But what you're saying is that if you have really connected with someone on a deep level, that you can return to them at any time and it's as if you talked about them or talked to them the day before and I am really lucky in that most of my friendships are like that and I think it's just because I'm a pretty open person and I like to say that I let people know that I'm you know I I care about them and I think about them even when I'm not talking to them every day but I've had a couple friends that I've gotten in trouble with because um, including one very dear friendship that I lost because I sometimes am not always great about returning the phone calls and being as consistent as they need. And yeah. that wasn't, you know, it's funny because this has happened to me with two friends and my one friend literally like called me up and was like, this is what I need you to do if you want us to continue to be friends. And I was like, thank you. Yeah. That was very obvious. And now you do it. And the <laughs> other friend was not that clear with me. And then after, you know, we finally had a conversation about it I had to like prove myself to her to get back into her like good graces and I just that was so distasteful to me that I never wanted just like not unconditional yeah and I maybe that is really the quality that I'm talking about is this unconditional friendship and it's like I think about like you know again like my really close friend uh female scientist Amy that we Mm. talked to like she and I are incredibly close and like, I'll literally not talk to her for three months, and then I'll call her up and just, like, I'll literally yeah. start the conversation with, like, so I'm on my period, and, yeah. you know, and it's, it's like, stuff like that that I think is is really important. But I also have to know, like, as a human, when I meet people I value, I have to remember that not everybody is like that. So. Yeah. 
But then again, if people aren't like that, you don't have to put up with it if you don't want to. Well, exactly. I think that's the thing. So, okay. Number 17. What is your most treasured memory? Oh, gosh. I know. It's very interesting. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I think there's like a collection of stuff. Like whenever I go home, I'm like... Like, I feel like there's memory that's tied to, like, a specific experience, mm-hmm. and then there's some that are tied to, like, a person or, like, a place. Like, whenever yeah. I go home, I'm like, oh, you know, there's, like, memories here, like, with my family. Yeah. It's like, you know, we remember, like, the trips we went on or, like, the holidays and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but those things are more consistent, and I feel like they're still happening. Like, I'm still pretty close to my family, so I feel like that's more, it's not, like... Like, to me, when I think about, like, a cherished memory, it's, like, it's something that's, like, never going to happen again or, yeah. like, a specific moment in time. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed my trip to the Grand Canyon in high school. Yeah. And I think that was really great. I wrote all my college essays about it. And Apparently went well for you. Yeah. It was just, like, so unique. Like, that's what, what I mean with, like, there's, there's stuff that's maybe more meaningful that mm-hmm. I look back on and I'm like, wow, that was really meaningful. But... I think because the Grand Canyon thing was, like, such a specific moment in time, and I'm never going to... I've never done anything like that since, and I have no real plan of doing anything like that again. It was, mm-hmm. like, this very specific snapshot that will only be a memory. It's never going to be something that I'm going to live through again, you know? Yeah, I agree with so that. Because I think, like, of course, again, there's all of these moments I can pull about my family and my friends and certain times, certainly in college and, you know, all of that. But like, if I just say there's like one memory that I like really carry in my heart that was just really beautiful and unique, it would have been when I hiked the Camino de Santiago and the day that we walked into Santiago. And it was, that was just an incredible, it was like this kind of cloudy day and we walk in and there's a huge festival going on, which is usually. Did you guys know that that was No, we just like showed up. And I remember this, uh, my friend uh, Leo, who is uh, from Quebec, as we walked in, we like linked arms and started dancing and it was just like really wild and special. And, um, and I think, I think about that. Yeah, and I think it's because it's a memory that I don't really share with anybody else. I mean, I share with her, and we are certainly friends, but we're not, you know. Yeah, it was more of just a personal thing for you. Yeah, it was like in that minute. Um, So I thought that was really interesting. And then I'm also really interested, I was thinking about this this weekend, maybe back in New York, but like places that are really steeped in memory Mm -hmm. for me. So it always blows my mind when I come to New York or when I go to certain places how just soaked they are I mean it was so funny because like even now like I'm not really staying in my old neighborhood I'm staying up in Hell's Kitchen which is a neighborhood that I thought I didn't spend that much time in and Mm -hmm. yet even here walking around with you I'm like oh my god almost every corner yeah I'm like associating it with something something. yeah Yeah. so and then when I get down you know in the village in Chelsea it's just so intense so Mm -hmm. um anyway I think that's really interesting so Along this line, I think this could be our last one. Well, if we didn't do six, mm-hmm. um, and it is, what is your most terrible memory? And I'm gonna pass on this one. Oh, so you could do a terrible one, maybe mm-hmm. not the most terrible. If you like broke a bone or something. Um, gosh, I don't even know. Like the most terrible. Well, I think too. It's like I don't like to like. Yeah, I don't think I, like, categorize. dwell on Yeah, because I think even when I have, and I've, you know, you've had some things that are, like, really terrible. Yeah, like, everyone's had, like, traumatizing things that happen. Yeah, to them, but it's like. It's how you process that, you know, and 
even the worst, worst things, there's something that comes out of it. Well, not everything and maybe not what you expect, but like. Yeah. Well, it's just like maybe not super like relevant to who you are now. Mm-hmm. It shapes you as a person. Yeah. I, guess is what I don't I'm know. Saying, and that is not bad. Yeah. I always think about like, um, like they were talking about on the Guys We Fuck podcast, mm-hmm. like Christina she like she talked about it a lot when it happened and she, yeah. i think she was surprised by like how badly it like impacted her yeah like, she lives in new york and there was someone across the building from her like across the street mm-hmm. who killed themselves they jumped off the building oh no and she like she was at home when it happened oh no and she was there like before the cops got there and she like didn't know what was happening but she like saw the body and everything <sighs> and it was like really traumatic and she was like, I can never unsee it. So, like, something yeah. like that, I'm like, okay, that's probably, like, a very traumatic memory for her. Yeah. But I'm like, I don't have anything like that that's, like, soaked into my memory. Yeah. Well, that's also... Like, stuff where you're like, you can't unsee it. Yeah, that's That to me and would I be, like, the most horrible. believe there are things that you, like, can't unsee. And I have, like, oh, made... of course, for sure. in our exciting story we're going to tell in the next episode. <laughs> like, I chose not to look at this thing that... <laughs> some of our group did look at. I think I could unsee it. It was fine. Um, but, like, I remember, <laughs> like, when person. my grandmother passed away, like, my... Oh, yeah, when my grandparents passed away, I, I intentionally didn't look I at didn't either. And my... Um, Just I, I was, was like, I don't want to think of, like, remember Yeah, and one of my parents was like, do you want to go, like, say final goodbyes? I was like, well, I did that this morning when she was, yeah. like, breathing. Like, I'm not... Right. And I was 20 at the time, or 21, so I was didn't quite... But I've never in the well. It's interesting going how people, on fifteen plus years. Like regr- like I've never regretted not going no. in and seeing. And I but a still lot of feel people. Good about I think like I was reading an article about um, like there's this big project that's going on right now. Now that like North Korea is a little bit more open mm-hmm. of like recovering um, dead service members in North Korea. Oh wow! Because after the war, there were a lot of people that were left behind, and there was no opportunity to like bring them back to really like search for the remains. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of people who now you know it would be like people my grandparents age who were there Mm -hmm. um like they're now going back and they're like it's like to them like having the remains or like people like i've read about it too like families who have people that died on Mm 9-11 it's like you just kind of want to know like what happened to them so it's like did they just like wander away were they shot like it just kind of helps like define the story and i think if you don't like in that aspect if you don't have a body it's like really hard to like have a funeral or Mm -hmm. like kind of rally around it like if you have something to be like okay this is definitive Mm -hmm. otherwise you're like this person could be 90 living in north korea like that's also possible and that happens like every day they find people so i think in those aspects like it is important to kind of have that like final last Mm -hmm. like memory but for me, I'm, like, for that kind of stuff, I'm, like, there's nothing, or, like, we were talking about with, like, John McCain and Aretha mm-hmm. Franklin, like, Aretha with her outfits to bring it back yeah. to something more joyful. Like, she clearly wanted people to, like, look at her dead body and be, like, I'm a yeah. fashion icon, even in death. Yeah. I you mean, know? that is fabulous. Which, like, you can't get that impact without looking at her. Yeah. So. For sure. For sure. But that, that I kind of respect, because it's, like, death. Mm-hmm. Not that a horrible memory has to be death, but, like, the, like concept of like making things joyful Mm -hmm. i don't know no everything doesn't have to be terrible 
All right, campers, um, on that somewhat uplifting note, uh, we have to go prepare for our next guest for or our, our real guests that are guest not each episode. other. Yeah, I know. I hope you guys have not gotten too tired of the Maddie and Shay friendship podcast. I think people like extravaganza. It. I think so too. We are the well, stars. Well, we had David on last time. Oh, yeah. He was a great special guest. So, yeah. That was All right. Well, thank you, campers. Um, we'll talk to you more soon. All right. Bye. Thanks for listening. Camp Adulthood is hosted by Maddie Yergi, Resident Youth, and Shay Keats, Camp Adulthood. We are produced by Jenny Mayfield, and this episode was recorded in Maddie's living room. You can find us on social media at camp underscore adulthood. You can email us hello at campadulthood.com, and you can visit us at campadulthood.com. Please also find on our website, there are links to our Patreon page, where you can be a subscriber, and there are many cool prizes. Thanks, campers. We hope that you enjoy your stay at Camp Adulthood.